It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This is officially the worst start to a season in Cincinnati Bengals history. They are 0-11. The Pittsburgh Steelers won 16-10, and the Bengals are on track for that first overall pick. And if you want to see them secure it down in Miami, you'll hear more later on in this episode about the Kimpton Epic Miami Luxury Hotel that is offering listeners to this podcast a cheap rate, a discounted rate on rooms, and a discounted rate on tickets to that Miami-Cincinnati game in a few weeks. And if you want to get out of the cold, go see a game. We'll tell you all the details about that a little bit later. The Bengals lose again to the Steelers, 16-10. to And Vance Meek had a really good telling stat line for the Bengals. Since 2011, amongst all division rivalries in the NFL, the Bengals have the worst record against the Steelers, and that includes the Patriots and all of their dominance over bad teams in the AFC East. Since 2011, the Bengals have had five playoff teams, and despite that, at 3-18 and against the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2011, that is the worst mark in the league. And this day, despite a day when the Steelers had to bench their quarterback, the Bengals just couldn't get it going offensively again, and in particular, Ryan Finley reminded us and continues to prove that he is not an NFL starting quarterback. Yeah, I think that's where it falls squarely on because Ryan Finley, man, the defense gave a good effort. The defense held the the Steelers to 16 points, and there was just too many drives in a row where they'd go three and out, or they'd get in a situation where it's third and long, and you had no faith that Finley was able to make a throw. There was a three-play drive. It took 12 seconds off the clock where the Bengals could have used a chance to burn some time. And Finley, all three throws fluttered, went short, and were contested. And it's all because his arm just is not NFL caliber. I remember your paper airplane analogy when you watch Ryan Finley throw the ball. And on the 30-yard completion to Alex Erickson, it was a third-down conversion. Alex Erickson checks up on the left sideline, and the ball just takes forever to get there. And he's just so open that it didn't matter. And then the first dealer to the play fails to push him out of bounds. He takes off down the sideline for 30 yards. It's just apparent that the arm strength is not good enough. And when he tries to put a little extra on it, think of that double move by Erickson. That could Mm -hmm. have sealed the game at that point. And Finley completely whiffs, and it ends up at least five yards out of bounds. Uh, Man, right there, you see that play, and you go, even for a guy that's known to be accurate and and poised, when he's got to push the ball or put any power behind it, 
he just turns into a, a guy that really shouldn't even be on the field. So outside of these instances of bad accuracy, deep, the weak arm strength not getting there, his best throw of the day probably comes on the Tyler Boyd touchdown. It's really the yes. only memorable good throw that he made. He gave Tyler Boyd two chances in this game. One of them was a bad 50-50 ball that Tyler Boyd came down with. One of them was a touchdown. Good for Tyler Boyd. But overall on the day, Finley goes 12 for 26 for 192. So best game for Finley in yards per attempt, but only completes 46% of his passes. And that's two weeks in a row that he's well below 50%. And you want to see these guys at least, at least at 60%. So we're talking well below average in completion percentage. And to make it worse, two more fumbles today. That's four fumbles in three games. And he lost another one today. And you mentioned Tyler Boyd. Shout out to him because he was an energy creator today. Those back-to-back plays were maybe the two best back-to-back plays the Bengals have had all year. And that catch, I mean, that, that goes up there for the NFL season for catch of the year, the one over the middle. And even that that touchdown throw was a duck. But you know what? When you can box a guy out and get up and, and make a play on the ball, Tyler Boyd did that, created energy, five catches, 101 yards and a touchdown. He complained about his targets after last week. The squeaky wheel gets the oil, and he got the targets this week. The other guy, though, Joe Mixon, continues to run well, continues to make people miss, created a few plays today on his own. He had 18 carries for 79 yards. That's a 4.4-yard average, but they don't seem to be throwing him the ball anymore. Alex Erickson also had a pretty nice day, and like you said, he could have had a long touchdown that Ryan Finley just threw well out of bounds. He goes for two catches for 43 yards, could have easily been three catches for nearly 100 yards and a touchdown. But the focus of the day for the positive side, we've talked Ryan Finley to death, I think. There were some plays they left on the field between him and Boyd. The defense was pretty good again today. And you would expect that against the Steelers team missing most of its weapons, who has bad quarterback play. But again, in the game, keeping it tight, the Bengals had a lead at halftime. The pass rush was getting some work done again. Carlos Dunlap, very active, getting his hands in the passing lanes leads to an interception for Sean Williams and Jesse Bates extremely active early in this game in run defense. I think he's continued his late season resurgence. Yeah. Jermaine Pratt actually led the team in tackles with eight total Sam Hubbard, Carlos Dunlap and Andrew Billings got his first sack of the year. So overall strong defensive effort. You know who else I think had a strong back-to-back game was Nick Vigil. Again, he was all over the place. The last guy I want to mention on the defensive side of the ball because he didn't show up in the box score but was winning frequently throughout the day, Geno Atkins. Pretty good day. And do you have a quick take on Cordy Glenn? I thought he was mostly pretty solid. Even the strip sack at the end that Bud Dupree gets, that looks like they're taking a quick set and the ball needs to be out. I think that's on Finley. That's exactly what happened. It was a short set, and he pushed the guy around. Not sure you'd like him to keep going, but he has no idea the ball isn't thrown at that point. I only noticed him maybe on three plays where I was like, oh, okay, that you know wasn't exactly optimal. But if that's it, then that's a, a pretty decent day for your first play in 11 weeks. Yeah, so we'll see what the PFF grade comes back on for Cordy Glenn because I think they're pretty good, at least as a starting point for evaluating offensive line play, and then we'll go back, and I'm sure we'll spend some time rewatching when we do go through this game again. But we promised at the beginning of the show that we would tell you how to get down to Miami and stay in a really nice hotel for cheap and get cheap tickets to a football game. And that's because the newly renovated Kimpton Epic Miami Luxury Hotel is offering you $149 per night at the Epic Miami. 
You can use code UG9. You can go check out the Lockdown Bengals Twitter account for a link that will put that code in for you when you book the hotel. Just a short 20-minute drive away from the stadium, 10 minutes from the beach. Really great spot to go to check out Miami in December. And you can root for a win. Here we are. The Bengals are 0-11. The Redskins win a game. Again, the Bengals have a two-game room of of margin for error, margin for win. How do you want to look at it? Because at first I was selling this as a tank job. Go down there, root for them to get their quarterback. But now you can go root for them to win, have a good time, and they still get their quarterback. Probably their most winnable game remaining on the schedule, too, if you are the type that just really wants to win, and I know you're out there. You can also get cheap tickets starting at just $35 for the game. We'll also tweet out a link to that. So thank you again to the Kimpton Epic Miami Hotel for sponsoring the podcast. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, Faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. So the Bengals are 0-11, and, and honestly, I, I'll be honest. I look at that record when it scrolls across the bottom of the screen. I was watching the game just now, the 49ers and Packers, and it says 0-11, and I actually smile because this is the most relaxed I have felt about it. The one-game thing in front of the skins did not make me feel good because Washington has looked terrible and thank you, Jeff Driscoll, for giving us one more victory. Basically, he's the last quarterback that's that's won for the Bengals in the uniform and outside of uniform now. So, Jeff Driscoll, shout out to him. But I'm looking at it and I say, okay, two-game lead. Looking at the rest of the schedule, the Jets coming up. The Jets are getting it together. Mm-hmm. And they've got the Browns. They've got the Dolphins. They've got the Browns twice. And I'm saying, okay, there's probably one, maybe two wins if they get silly. But... I feel so much more comfortable now watching this team and just being able to root for them. Because I was during this game, right? It's the Steelers. We want to see the Steelers get fucked up out there. But there was just so much to drive me crazy while watching this game. And most of it, for me, started at the quarterback position. And I said right after the game that if the Bengals have Joe Burrow, they win that game. And I said, in response to your tweet, trolling everybody out there on the Internet, if the Bengals have Andy Dalton, they win that game. And then somebody responded to me and said, if the Bengals start Jake Dolagala, they win that game. And I'm not sure I'm ready to go that far. But I do think that Andy Dalton wins this week. And I think he wins last week. I think that uh, it was if they're trying to tank, you did a great job. The thing is, I I don't buy that they're trying to tank. I think that 
you know, I, I buy to some degree that they're trying to evaluate what there is with Finley, but I don't think if that's true, I, there's nothing else you have to see. And no, I think Ta- I'm done. Yeah, Taylor didn't commit to Finley at another week after the game. He said, right now, Finley's our quarterback. When he was asked, he was asked in the press conference, you consider going back to Andy Dalton? He says, right now, Ryan's our quarterback. But, I mean, what else, what else are you looking for? The arm strength, he can't, he, he can't make NFL throws. Mm-hmm. And he, he struggles with the pocket. His ball security has been awful. Bad. And was it two more fumbles today? Two more fumbles today. So is it four he lost on the one year? at the end? He lost Man. one at the end, yeah. And the one that he lost there is you, you want to say it's on Cordy Glenn, you're wrong. That that's you a know. ball that needs to come out right away. And he just holds it. Mm-hmm. And, and and I I don't think Bud Dupree I I don't even call that a pass rush win. I know some people do. It's a hustle win. It's a hustle win. It's a good finish, but he didn't win the pass rush. Cordy Glenn did his job there, in my opinion. Well, and, I don't think he'll get negatively graded for that. Yeah. I think that sack, when we check PFF tomorrow or on Tuesday, that sack will get charged to Ryan Finley. Yeah, we'll have to see how that gets evaluated. But the offensive line generally, I thought, was up and down. The in, the interior, as yeah. always, struggles against Cam Hayward and, and Hargrave and all those guys. And this is without Stefan Tuitt. So that's, I mean, it could be worse. But I, I think that when we see the grades, Trey Hopkins is going to show up. It's going to be ugly for him. He got... Bull rush by Cam Hayward right Couple back times. into the quarterback. But the one sack that I recall that he gave up was was because Bobby Hart got beat mm-hmm. and and Finley was trying to step up. And I mean the anchor wasn't great from Hopkins, but it's probably enough room there if he doesn't have to evade TJ Watt. But generally you can see numerous times in this game he Brian Finley couldn't even finish his follow through because he's following through onto guys' heads. Yeah, and he holds the ball a little bit longer just based mm-hmm. on the numbers of the first two games. So I wonder yeah. if that's a bit of a transition for these linemen to, you know, go from 2.2 seconds to 2.8. That's a half second, a little bit longer there. So uh, Billy Price, though, ended up playing the entire game at left guard. It was announced that Alex Redmond was playing and, and going to start. He hurt his elbow in the pregame warmups or, you know, something along those lines ended up being Billy Price. I saw him on the second play and I was confused. I thought maybe Redmond got hurt on the first play. They updated us pretty quickly. But one other play that I think stands out and that people brought up a lot was the Tyler Boyd fumble. It was actually a really good throw by Finley. It took a little long to get there, but it was a nice scheme to play. You got Boyd on a linebacker, a rookie linebacker, Devin yep. Bush. He catches it, he turns upfield, it's definitely 100% a catch. I've seen people that were unsure or even claiming that it wasn't a catch. No, to me that was yep. clear as day a catch, and a really good job by Devin Bush to punch it out as as Boyd lets it get away from his inside a little bit there. But for me, a lot of people said, not a lot of people, I'll say a few people were in my mentions and said that game is on Tyler Boyd for, for the loss because of where it was at and that was potentially a, a touchdown drive. I think they're. I think if you're saying that, you are absolutely nuts, and that's because Tyler Boyd took over and got that one touchdown, they, their only touchdown that I feel like they've been able to manufacture through the air. And how long now? And if, without that touchdown, you're obviously not even in the game. But the Steelers played their last two drives much differently. If the, if the game was, if they're actually down, those drives go differently for them. So it's a completely different game had something else took place there. Yeah, I don't buy the Tyler Boy blame. I know he took responsibility after the game, but defense gave up 16 points again. And 
you know, two, two balls Ryan Finley threw. You talk about the three, the three play drive where he goes three incomplete passes. So there's two balls that should have been picked off by Joe Hayden. Yeah. I mean, you like bad quarterback play. This game, this I think, it. was the worst play game by quarterbacks in the NFL this season. Had to be. You got to not only a rookie backup, but you got to a undrafted guy for the, the Steelers. I don't even know if he's a rookie, but you ended up having, and he played better than Mason Rudolph. Rudolph was terrible. Yeah. And the, it looked like the defense was trying to give him a little extra shove and nudge here and talk shit to he him. He did not and, like it. Uh-uh, you could tell. He, it, he was dealing with something this week, and he's bad, but he was particularly bad this week. And I think that's – I don't think Mike Tomlin pulls him unless he feels like he's – not in it completely. Oh, I was convinced in the first half watching this game that Mason Rudolph was going to start a fight the way he was reacting every time he got touched. And I think that it was a smart move from Tomlin to, to pull him because even if, he, even if he is a better quarterback, which is uncertain, even if he is, he's not better enough than this guy they brought off the bench, this third string guy for the Steelers, that it's worth his emotional state. I mean, he just looked frazzled, right? Every time yeah. he got hit, he's complaining. Except for the one time he ran it. Um, one time he ran it and he just took a regular hit. He didn't complain about that one. But I feel like I saw him getting fired up quite a bit. And uh, There's a lot of big hits and shoves. And, and yeah. I thought tempers were going to flare a few times. And actually, yeah. they were held in check uh, every time. That's what Brandon Wilson got cracked a couple times on returns. Late in the game, I thought... It was actually nice to see there was some sportsmanship between these teams. There was some pushing and shoving after the play, but it never escalated. And generally, if if that is all we have to deal with in Bengal Steelers games going forward, I can handle that. Like it wasn't, it wasn't vitriolic. It wasn't. Right. It, it didn't make me uncomfortable to watch like it has the last three years. The uh, defense again gives up a big play, and they try to go with that inverted cover two again. Yeah, you, want to, basically... you want to talk about that in a minute, maybe? Yeah, yeah. you want to save that one and break that break down a Bengals play in the next segment? Yeah, let's come back to that one here in just a second. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So another long touchdown this time. Actually, I wonder how people reacted to this because I didn't get to see Twitter during the game much. I checked in between quarters and on some long uh, commercial breaks. But how did people react to the web and William Jackson was involved in it and it's an inverted cover two where basically the safeties are going to come down and your two outside corners are going to drop back and play deep. And the Bengals are giving up a deep crossing route. James Washington, it's severely underthrown. I think from Jackson's perspective, he's got his back turned. He looks up for the ball. He sees it's underthrown. He tries to stop. He falls. Washington undercuts it, catches it. Uh, Webb's just trailing the entire time, trying to come over the top from the same side Washington was coming from, if I remember correctly, and then just lays a nice javelin-type stiff arm on him and sends B.W. Webb to the ground and runs in for the end zone. Were people blaming Webb mostly for that? Jackson, did you see anything on that? 
I think it was mostly Webb and then some Jackson because they both need to do better on that play. And it might not even be that it was underthrown. It might just be that William Jackson, the more I think about it, thought it was a post and it was actually just a crosser. That mm. might be where the throw is supposed to go. We'd have to look mm. at it again. Sure. But the way that the route ends up happening, it is essentially a very deep crosser. And I broke I broke this down on Twitter because it's a very familiar coverage, right? We've seen them get burned on it before. We've seen them cover up a deep post before where Jackson got back in time. And yep. now we've seen them give up another touchdown on it. Ben Baby said, the ESPN beat reporter on the Bengals, said that the Bengals have been running this coverage a lot this year. The only times we've noticed it are when they take those deep shots. And then you see, oh, why is the two corners playing deep? Where's Jesse Bates? And it's because they're running this inverted cover two where, like Joe said, Jesse Bates sits down in the in the hole of the cover two where the middle linebacker usually covers straight back in the intermediate part of the field. And then it's on the corners to cover deep. And and this is another case where BW Webb, he needs to do a better job. I agree with everybody mm-hmm. who says that. He is essentially in man for, for better or worse. He knows that he doesn't have help, have help over the top. And then William Jackson, I think, is just a really hard play for him. And some people said, what angle is William Jackson taking there? I think we've talked about that quite a bit. Because it looked could, like he could intercept it had he have known yes. the route, right? Like he could undercut that. If he finds the ball a little bit earlier, maybe, you know. So so there is fair criticism on Jackson on that play. But I do think William Jackson's job on that play is a lot harder, right? Because there is an out and up on his side of the field that mm-hmm. he needs to respect. And then as soon as he sees the ball go up, he breaks toward the middle of the field, toward the crosser. And you know, his initial reaction took him to where the post would go and then it ends up being more of a crosser. So I think that blaming Jackson is a little bit harsh. I think that's a very difficult responsibility to put on him to be like, okay, you want your corner on the opposite side of the field to cover the post or the crosser coming all the way across the field. Yeah, that's probably the design of the play. There's probably some fault on Jackson there, but that's Webb's guy all the way. And a lot of people were blaming Webb. And Webb got attacked, I think, more than anybody on yeah. that defense this week. And uh, Deion Kane, guy they just signed, right, receiver for the Steelers, they went, put up two deep balls. One really nice grab that Webb just – he just doesn't find the ball. He kind of actually pushed it back into Deion Kane's arms when they showed the replay. And then the next one, which I thought was a weird pass interference call at first yeah. because Kane pushed Webb's head down. But when they showed the end zone angle – uh, Webb just has his back to the ball and goes and has both arms around Kane at that point, and it's like you're going to call it every time. In Webb's defense, that came one play after a really, really bad pass interference call that kept the drive going for the Steelers. It ends up converting a third down for them that the Bengals had gotten off the field for. So That's right. It It's just a little bit of insult to injury or injury to insult because the second one is something that you could actually – like I understand that pass interference call, right? The first one is just a really bad Terrible. call that's a bailout. Yeah. I thought Dark West Denard had a actually kind of rough day a little bit in run defense. We'll have to see how it all balances out, but he gives up a big run to Benny Snell on a third down and short. The Bengals go stacked in the box to counter the Steelers' condensed formation, and Benny Snell just bounces it outside. Denard yeah. doesn't keep the edge, doesn't make a tackle, and that's something that I think you expect Denard to do with his reputation and his skill set, and he, he did make some other plays in the running game. I don't think that he was bad overall, but that one really stands out to me as a big play that there was another, you can isolate. That Whoever that running back is that they got out of nowhere, as typical for Steelers, right? They get a running back I've never heard of, and he runs all over the Bengals. Well, here's There's... what you do is you just pull 
David Castro and you run behind him and it works. Exactly what happened. You see that one. Um, well, the first one that he, that this guy had, the first play he has, it, Denard fills the hole, and I just don't think he expects this guy to be shifty as the two backs for the Steelers are definitely not that type. They're two big power guys in Samuels and Benny Snell, and then this guy just does a quick little shimmy and gets right around him. And then the yeah. next time, uh, right, White. To, yeah, Kareth White. And DeCastro's pulling, and you see, I think it's one of the safeties, I don't remember who it was, tries to under, undercut it and thinks, well, this is my chance to get in there. Maybe I can make, uh, you know, catch this guy behind the line of scrimmage. White is just too fast at that point, gets around to the edge, and it looks like Brandon Wilson just has to take on DeCastro, which wasn't his guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, crap. And you just see him just get pancaked into the ground there. He actually almost kept his balance to he his did. credit. Because he, he's he just, an athlete. He, he lost his footing on one step there. Yeah. Kareth? Kareth White? Yeah, because I thought at first his name was spelled like Caruth, the way the announcers were saying it. But Kareth White, yeah, one of them was a run blitz where the Bengals had him at the line of scrimmage. And That's the I, first one. I think it was Sean Williams, but I can't remember for sure, who, who misses him at the line of scrimmage. Then he pops off a 21-yard run. Couple A couple bad plays for the defense. BW Webb, you can isolate on one. Dark Wesnard, you can isolate on one. And I think it was Sean Williams. But Sean Williams generally had a fine game. And I thought yeah. Jesse Bates had a good game. Jackson, outside of that inverted cover, too, I only remember Just had one. one other play. And I thought it was OPI that didn't get called. Yeah, he thought it was, too. I, I wish he would play through the play. He normally does because he. I feel like he's always getting his hands in there to break up a pass or at least contest for it. And this time he just he looked confused or, or you know he just backed away and, and kind of hands off as if there, a flag was expected yeah it was a little comeback route by Deontay Johnson on the left side of, of the formation in the first quarter I want to say it was yeah. one of the early drives of the game and Deontay Johnson with an arm full of William Jackson kind of throws Jackson forward to stop his momentum and start the comeback and mm-hmm. I think it was pretty blatant didn't get called William Jackson was looking for a flag you can't rely yeah. on the flag obviously but uh, that's the only other play I remember seeing William Jackson give anything up. Because it really wasn't a push-off. Like, it wasn't how you think of just full-arm extension into, yeah. like, a chest or a hip or something. This was more like a forearm shiver, right? It, it like was. He, it was just... he, had, he had him caught in his arm. Like, his whole yeah. arm pushes him forward. It's more of a, more than a forearm. It was like a, a throw. Like a Reggie White move, right? Coming... Yeah, how he does the pass rushers, and he uses that inside power move and throws the guy off. Yeah, it's they that can't sucks see us right now, but we're both swinging our. We right are, arms. <laughs> we are. You're right. This is not a video podcast. <laughs> we're both. I'm I'm doing a move. Jake's like, no, not that. It. He's showing me. I'm like, no, no. It's more like this, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we still have fun on this podcast. Oh, and eleven. But you know what? Something really cool happened today. I just want to talk about this. Okay. We'll see if it comes to fruition or not. But I, I tweeted at Willie Anderson today during the game. And I said, hey, Willie, Joe's taking a vacation next week. I don't want to do this podcast alone. Come talk to me. Not those exact words. Something to that effect. And I think a 100 of you at least favorited my tweet on the topic. So thank you for that. That is really kind. Some of you responded and said, yeah, Willie, do it. And then Willie retweeted it. And he goes, should I go on the show? And last time I checked, there were 500 people that liked it. 150 people replied to it and said, yeah, Willie, go do it. Some of you said we're your favorite podcast. Some of you said we do a great job. We really appreciate all of that. That gives us some good feelings and an 0 and 11 start to a season, right, Joe? Yeah, that's right. So we appreciate the feedback and 
you know, it's nice to know you guys are still with us, still listening, or would listen if we got Willie Anderson on, because I would listen, and I don't typically listen to us, if that makes sense. I listened to Joe when he did the crossover with the Steelers, but only until that one Steelers guy went on a rant about Ohio teams. <laughs> if you look at the data, all the listeners drop off right there. Yeah. That was it for them. We'll also have, uh, since Joe is on vacation, so let's talk about this a little bit because we have some housekeeping work to take care of this week. Thanksgiving is obviously this week. Happy Thanksgiving to those of you who are in the United States, which I know is a vast majority of our listeners. So we will not have an episode coming out for Thursday, but we will have an episode out on Friday. So when you're doing your Black Friday shopping, we'll get an episode out. That probably means that I'm going to record by myself on Thursday night because I am in Canada where it is not Thanksgiving on Thursday. So I'll probably get an episode out for you guys on Thursday night and you can listen to it on Friday on your long weekend. And then the following week, Joe is on vacation, taking his annual trip down with the family to the tropics of Florida, not quite Miami, but almost there. So next week, I'm trying to get on some guests. I know that Mike Renner from PFF, their head of college scouting and draft stuff, he is the biggest Joe Burrow stand you can find out there. And I know you heard Joe and I go back and forth on Burrow last week. I'm going to do the same thing with Mike Renner and get his take on all the stuff I talked to you about. I also recorded a few segments on the top three quarterbacks. Uh, so they're like 10 minutes each in my evaluation. But I did that last week. Nothing changes for Burrow or Tua because Tua's evaluation is completely done. And Burrow looked like Burrow this week. But Justin Herbert, I may add a couple lines to that. Uh, maybe talk for a couple of minutes because that was nightmare scenario for him versus Marvin Lewis in Arizona State. Yeah. And, you know, it was everything that flashes negatively for him. And that's usually maybe like four or five plays in a game where you go, huh, that's weird. He did that 20 times or so in that game, and it was shocking, to say the least. I think a lot of people were watching just based on the national reaction Mm -hmm. uh, to to Herbert. And and that's probably not fair to him because he's – I mean, you look at his numbers. He's productive. He is good. Uh, But that is the warning sign game right there of the downside with Herbert. Did you watch the fourth quarter of that game? I didn't. I went to bed, so I didn't get to see it. Yeah, so he apparently heated back up in the fourth quarter – And it got close, and it sounds like he made some good throws. I mean, the thing with Herbert is, and you'll hear Joe talk about this, the arm is undeniable. The Mm -hmm. ability to make plays on the run outside of structure, to make plays from weird arm angles, like that's all there for, for Herbert, and it's just the consistency. And he's 21, so there's some room to work on that. We talk about Joe Burrow. He's 23, so there's two years more development there. I, I can still see it if you're a Herbert person, especially with my new reservations on Burrow, but it was not a good game for Herbert la- this yesterday, last week. Did you, did you catch any of the Eagles game this week or any of the clips of Carson Wentz? Because I compared Herbert to Wentz, and man, yeah. Wentz had at least six or seven Herbert throws yeah. in this game. It's like, man, they, these guys, not only is this comparison fitting, but they just struck the bottom of the barrel in the same weekend. Yeah, they, they both are, well... I saw I saw a couple of the the short hop kind of stuff. Oh man, there's a running back to the left, and he takes a couple steps to throw it to him, and just chucks it into the first row. <laughs> and he's like looking at him. You see, he wants to give it to the running back. That's just, I'm like Carson, what are you doing, buddy? Yeah, 
It was a tough week for Carson Wentz for sure. So to wrap things up here, the Bengals sit two games clear for the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft in Las Vegas, Nevada, where I am still trying to convince Joe to come out and meet me so we can do a live show and cover the draft in person. We'll see if that happens or not. And other things. Yeah, Las Vegas. What right. happens in Vegas, as they say. What do they say? You tell everybody Except for about herpes, it, right? that shit comes back. Okay, Joe. That's what they say. I doubt that's what you're going. I'm sorry. No. I almost called Mason Rudolph Mason Adolph earlier, but then I, I <laughs> held that one back. <laughs> you like that one, huh? Oh, man, good thing nobody listens to this part of the show. That's going to do it for oh, this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 